Hello everyone, Callie Hannah here with a quick disclaimer from the future, 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 future. <laughs> the episode you are about to hear was recorded prior to my public coming out as a transgender woman. As such, you will hear myself and others refer to me by my dead name and he, him pronouns, and that is not how I want to be referred to now. I, well, I go by Callie and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, the rest of the episode has been left as is for the purposes of historical preservation, but uh, just know that it is not accurate to my current uh, gender identity. Thank you, and enjoy the show. The hipster and the nerd. Yes, hipster and the nerd. The nerd. One went to the genius. The other is quite absurd. Exactly which is which. Off the fence is which. Yes, good sir. The hipster and the nerd. 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 Hipster and the nerd. Created by Steven Spielberg? No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast where we discuss. Movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and all manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. I am Chris Hanna. With me, of course, is my co-host, Brian Brecker. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing pretty good. And I'm wondering, when you say the title, do you ever, in your head, sing it to the Pinky and the Brain theme song? Way too much. Like, I'm still, <laughs> when I have more money, I do want to actually commission Pinky and the Brain parody art. And no joke... When I made, when I was making the thumbnail for this podcast, I tried to find the Pinky and the Brain font, and unfortunately, <laughs> I could not. <laughs> so this is, of course, our third episode of Rocket Ship Roulette, the the podcast segment where I torture Chris with <laughs> weird and bad movies, and then we talk about them. Yeah, the the torture angle has not been particularly accurate until this week. Well, you liked one of the movies; you just hated the other one. It's the most accurate it's ever been. So today we're going to be talking about two movies. One is Hobgoblins, which is from the illustrious and well-respected subgenre of gremlin ripoff movies. You say subgenre, I say cottage industry. <laughs> it is sort of a cottage industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then we have the other cottage industry of the disabled kung fu genre, which has the crippled masters, which will be the second movie that we're talking about today. Let us talk about Hobgoblins, this terrible... Terrible, terrible, Wonderful terrible movie. movie. This is one of the worst films I have ever seen, and is by far the worst piece of media we have covered on this podcast so far. And that does include Mortal Kombat Annihilation, for the record. Okay, <laughs> so when we compare the, this to Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I think this is a better movie than Mortal Kombat Annihilation. No. Only in the fact that I find more enjoyment in it than Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but I think Mortal Kombat Annihilation is a better made movie. Okay, the thing is, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, despite its myriad of issues, which we talked about back in our video game movies, then and now, part one episode. Check it out! Check it out! Despite its myriad of issues, it at least had that one scene where they fought to the theme song, and that was you know, rendered some enjoyment out of me. None of this movie renders enjoyment out of me in any way. It's all, it's just a painful, unfunny, boring slog. Let's well, get into I, it, shall we? <laughs> I think, oh, I'd like to get into that a bit more because it kind of shows our contrasting opinions. 
Like, I raised myself on, like, bad movies. Like, it was something I actively enjoyed doing. I would get my friends together and we'd all watch bad movies together. Mm. So maybe I am just predisposed to find more enjoyment out of bad movies than you are. What do you think about that? That, I mean, that's possible. Like, Mm. because, and, you know, to be fair, I do, like, enjoy a So Bad It's Good kind of movie, but this isn't one of those for me. Well, for you, would you say that's, like, Troll 2 or The Room? Yeah, The Room, definitely, I would say. Hobgoblins. Uh, let's talk about the director for a second. So the director is Rick Sloan, who made such movies... <laughs> what sounds like a this. porno name, honestly. It does sound like uh, a porno name. Um, not as much as Cash Flag, the director Cash of Flag. The Incredibly Strange Creature Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. Oh, boy. But, which we will get to eventually. But oh, Rick boy. Sloan's filmography is varied, and I will get through it very quickly. <laughs> he directed Blood Theater, Visitants... March for Murder, Vice Academy 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Why are there six Vice Academy movies? Because you need to have... It looks like a bunch of cops that are in scantily clad outfits. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should add this to the wheel. I mean, the alien should add this to the wheel because we're still having the lore. Right. Um, you directed Mind, Body, and Soul, Good Girls Don't, B-Movie Queens Reveal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Bikini Academy. Are we sure that one's not just porn? The tagline is Surfer Girls Gone Wild. That sounds um, like porn. It also goes by the name Babe Watch Forbidden par- Parody. Um, that would anyway. definitely sounds like porn. Anyway, and then we, they all, he also made Hobgoblins, The Making of a Disaster Piece, and Hobgoblins 2. Because believe it or not, someone they actually made a sequel to this. Yeah, and yeah. he directed that also. Um, so... What's interesting about Rick Sloan is that he's completely owned the fact that Hobgoblins is a bad movie to the point where he himself actually sent it out to Mystery Science Theater 3000 for them to watch it, which is how it became a cult film because it was uh, reevaluated. I mean, people still think it sucks, but people enjoyed how much it sucks. At least, okay, I'll give him credit that at least he admits it's terrible, but that still doesn't excuse the fact that it's terrible. (laughs) Of course. So, Chris... How does Hobgoblin start? So Hobgoblin starts with a security guard. There's this young security guard who reminds me vaguely of um, Steve Harrington from Stranger Things, except infinitely less charming. Um, they have this. They have kind of the same hair, but I guess I mean they're both the '80s. You're, but you know, you're whatever. Talking about the the amazingly written character Dennis, right? Yes, Dennis, <laughs> um, who is not amazingly written. He's very poorly written, in fact, like every character in this film. I think you're missing the part where um, our first introduction to him is air, is him air drumming to yes. music that we can hear through his headphones. He has a Walkman, yeah. But his air drumming doesn't match <laughs> what's actually going on on the music. And in case you need any 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 more red flags to how bad this... I mean, it's called Hobgoblins. I mean, okay, it's okay. Here's, yeah, but Gremlins is a great movie. I'd like to... I just want to point out that... So I watched this on Voodoo for free, and I still feel like I got ripped off. But, um, <laughs> but, I watched it on YouTube. Yeah. It's one um, of those movies that's free on YouTube. And so was The Crippled Masters also, which we're yeah, going to get to Well, later. I couldn't find The Crippled Masters on YouTube. I, I had to find that on, uh, on Dark Matter, um, Dark, Dark really? Matter TV. But anyways, um, so, so I'd like to point out that if you, if you go to this film's voodoo page, the very first line uh, is about the film being lampooned on Mystery Science Theater 3000, which I think should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> It's sort of like the most important <laughs> detail about the movie, which is weird how much it shows up even on its Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, 
Like, like it was known for being in Mystery Science Theater like, 2000. Yeah, the last, uh, yeah. Uh, often seen as a rip-off of every small monster movie, but mainly Gremlins, the film is generally considered to be of exceptionally poor quality, and it has come to be regarded as one of the worst films ever made. It has become a cult film because of its poor quality and an infamy after it was featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000. The movie starts after he's yeah. air drumming. Yeah. Uh, we get the old guy chewing him out for not being more invested in his job. Why don't when... you care about this job on a deserted studio lot that no one's been to in 30 years? So how the fuck is it still in operation? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I think what's... Uh, if I were to explain what's going on, maybe uh. it's that it's an abandoned property that hasn't been resold yet. So they're just trying to keep it from the hordes of horny teenagers <laughs> that inhabit this movie okay but like that still doesn't make sense to me because who is if the studio is deserted there's nobody working there there's nobody like managing it there's no projects going on why who is hiring the security guards to watch over this property that no one cares about <laughs> maybe it's the real like, estate company like the, the people that own the lot but I mean, that's still not a very good explanation, but it's like the only explanation I can think of that even vaguely makes sense. So fine. So, so he takes him on a rounds around the building. Yeah. And old guy keeps Dennis from checking one specific room, which is, of course, the vault. Yeah. So old guy goes to see older guy. Uh, old guy, his name is McCready, I think. Yeah, M McCready. Yeah, we don't really, I don't think we know the boss's name, so I just call him Older Guy. Old Guy gets chewed out by Older Guy for no reason. Um, Dennis goes into the Forbidden Room, and the lights turn on, and it's a stage. And this gets into the whole lore about I'm the I'm gonna Hobgoblins. assume it's Comstock, I wanna say? Because they don't include character descriptions in the cast list. Okay, so Comstock <laughs> chews out Old Guy for no freaking reason. Chris... Why don't you explain the power set and skills of the Hobgoblin? Okay, and the movie explains this later after 30 minutes of exposition and padding, because this movie doesn't know how pacing works. But yes. the Hobgoblins are these little cheap plush dolls with exactly one facial expression and no reaction to anything. They're aliens. They're aliens. Yes. Um, and basically their thing is that they can tap into a person's mind and make them see their greatest fantasy, which are almost all sex-related because this movie is uncomfortably horny and doesn't know how to write a fantasy that isn't sex-related because, you yeah. know, people have fantasies other than sex, you know. That is a thing, movie. What? Okay, so the first guy <laughs> yeah. who dies, his fantasy was not about sex. He was fantasizing that he was singing and dancing on a stage. Okay, that's like the one dot. There's only like, there's barely any non-sex fantasies. Um, in this in this movie, and it's also at that point in in the movie, it's not really established how the fantasy stuff works. Um. So our character Dennis is singing and dancing on the stage, and he falls off to his death. So old guy McCready comes in, and he sees <laughs> that this guy's been killed by the hobgoblins, and his injury doesn't match the way that he <laughs> fell or anything. And yeah. his immediate impulse is to cover it up and just lock his corpse inside the room. They also come back to the vault later and his corpse is just not there. And there's no explanation given. I'm going to assume the hobgoblins ate it. And also, this has apparently happened to many various uh, employees at this, at this studio lot, being security guards. And nobody ever explains where they disappear to, to like the people's families. So like, how has this McCready person never once been accused of murder? Because that would be my uh, first thought. Well, it's because it, it's because they're teenagers. Maybe they ran off somewhere. Okay, but still. That's, 
Um, okay, so anyway, so the creature effects in this movie are done by Kenneth J. Hall, who's a legendary B-movie FX guy. He worked on the Puppet Master movies. The and quality of his work long... is not represented in this film. <laughs> yes, he does actual quality work, but... He, not in this, this movie, movie though. Had, yeah. yeah, this movie had, like, no budget. I'm going to assume... I, look, I'm going to look up the budget right now, but I'm going to assume that it was a budget of $5, which they spent to buy a sandwich. $15,000. <laughs> Yeah, $15,000. So they could only afford to have one of the puppets have a, a mouth that could move with the hand inside. So the rest of them are just plush dolls. Very cheap looking plush dolls. Yeah. So we cut to the next day and one of his friends is staring yeah. at a vinyl record for no yeah. reason. Yeah, so we cut to a house in the suburbs where mm -hmm. um, some teenagers are home alone. And we meet our main character, uh, Kevin. Kevin is one of the greatest yeah. characters ever created. No. Yes. No. So, Nothing from this movie could be described as the greatest thing ever created, because this is one of the worst things ever created. It's very bad. It's not that bad. It it's has very an enjoyment bad. factor. I, th I enjoy watching this movie. I don't. Um, <laughs> so one of the friends, who is the horny friend, the girl, the girl, um, um, she is reading a book called Education of a Call Girl. Daphne, yeah. Daphne, yes. Not to um, be confused with the Daphne from Scooby-Doo. Oh. Right. Kevin comes in and he rented a movie and his friends berate him for not buying porn, which is really weird. Because okay, yes. so one of the, why don't you get into your feelings? On yeah. This? So one of the overarching issues of this movie that permeates the rest of the film is that it's uncomfortably horny, and all of the characters are like weirdly obsessed with sex to a degree that is just I'm I'm fair I'm ninety percent certain this script was originally just a straight up porn out, like. You could not Chris, convince me. Chris, don't you understand? Way. It's what the kids want. I don't care what the kids it's want. It's what the kids want. Fuck I don't understand I don't. it. They, they like to have sex. You, I don't get you it. Clearly. I never had sex till I was 53. <laughs> that's, I, what the, that's what the executives who made this movie were thinking. Why do they think. sound like a bad impression of Patty and Selma? <laughs> the most unrealistic part of this joke is that there were executives involved in this movie at all. Yeah, um, nobody, nobody, gave, nobody gave a fuck. Um, so in an interview with the cast and crew, they all said that working on this movie and working with Rick Sloan in general was you had to bring in things that you owned because they yeah. didn't have props or decorations. They didn't have the budget to do it. So you would have to bring your cutlery. You have to bring your clothes. You have to bring everything. Student anything productions have done better jobs than this. <laughs> like I would agree with you. Yeah. But anyways, so anyways, the this movie is uncomfortably horny and it seems to think teenagers who are like platonic friends watching porn together is a normal thing people do which it's not it's very clearly not anyone with a functioning brain could tell you that no one has ever done that in the history of mankind <laughs> maybe rick sloan did it back in the 50s well rick sloan needs therapy then well don't you understand that's how me and my friends all found out about sex homer so one of their friends shows up, and it's a guy in a pointy hat, and that's Nick. And Nick was part of the military, and he's been out for two months. And, and you, you know what an army man wants after two months. And I'm like, I hate this. I hate this so much. Cut to him air humping. Yeah, he air humps. He air humps like Luigi in Luigi's Mansion. Oh, yeah. There's all this weird military bragging going on as if they don't understand that it's all kind of weird. I think they kind of understand that yeah. bragging about being a military freak is weird, but not enough to not have the character do it. It's more like, it's it's like they know it's weird, but they think it's weird that that's so quirky way instead of a, you Nick need help. Nick is tear gas training. <laughs> Duh, that's our Nick. 
So Kevin comes in and he's talking with Nick, and Kevin and Nick get into a talk about their military, ex- his military experience. <laughs> and Nick is like, I haven't had a chance to shoot anybody yet. <laughs> and uh, Kevin is like, is that really a goal for you? And he's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, and I, I find that funny. I find that to be a legitimately funny joke. Eh. I, I mean, I guess. It's, it's okay, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> So Nothing about this movie a, elicits joy from me. Um, we have a we have another friend who I call Nerdy Guy. It's Kyle. Nerdy Guy calls a sex hotline, and it's not even like a normal sex hotline. It's like a weird sex. It's hotline. It's kinky role play sex hotline, and the movie seems to think that this is supposed to endear us to the character. It does not. I um, think it's supposed I hate to be it. funny. Well, it's not funny either. No matter what their goal is, they failed. Miserably. Maybe this was like trying um, to be like a proto American pie sex comedy. Well, okay. Well, if you were trying to be a proto sex comedy, then why did you rip off a movie that was ostensibly made for kids? <laughs> like, the thing that's interesting about this is not just the fact that one of the fantasies involved involves a petting zoo. <laughs> uh, we'll that get nerdy, to that. <laughs> but nerdy guy is billing all these calls to Kevin's house. And he I does guess this is this... Kevin's house cuz he's yeah. being billed for the calls. And he does this while his other friends are in the house and they're just in the other room. So I don't know how he's getting away with this or what he thinks he's getting away with or how the other people have not caught on to the fact that this is clearly <laughs> that the sex hotline charges are clearly coming from this man. <laughs> the calls are coming from inside the house. <laughs> calls coming from inside the house. So, um, I forget how this exactly happens, but there, something happens where Nick and Kevin get into a crisis of masculinity, where Kevin feels inadequate, and Nick challenges him to a stick fight. Yeah, they have a stick fight that goes on for way too long, and has the most repetitive and obnoxious music I've ever heard in any movie ever, where every time the sticks, like, hit each other, there's this thing of boom, 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 boom. It's like the Pon Far in Star-, Star Trek, the original series. Yeah, but Pon Far, the Pon Far fight didn't go on for like a full five minutes. Or at least what <laughs> felt like a full five minutes. It was fucking painful. And it feels like it ends twice because it feels like it ends and then it starts up again. Yes. And it's like, end no, this. You... End it now. Make it stop. You say this negatively. I say it. It's amazing that they just go off and oh. they fight with a rake for oh. like five minutes because one of the characters just got insecure about his masculinity. I hate that it. That is so hilarious. Much. I dude. hate it so, so, so much. It's so, so terrible. Nick um, is spinning the rake like it's like a lightsaber. The only way this scene can be remotely tolerable is if you take out that music and edit in Duel of the Fates over it, because then it might actually be funny. So Nick wins, of course, and his girlfriend, Amy... It's, well, Kevin, Kevin's, girlfriend, Kevin's Amy. girlfriend, Amy, is yeah. very disappointed in him, because it's a shame upon his manhood, I guess. You have dishonored your family you and your girlfriend your for family. losing in this stick fight. Losing <laughs> in this stick battle in a front yard. In a suburban front yard. And she's like, I'm so disappointed in you. And by the way, while this is going on, uh, Horny Girl and Nick have gotten into the van and it starts Yeah, they go into Nick's and van down. and it starts bobbing up and down. I'm... So, so there's like a cartoon sound effect and it's implying that they're banging. But then they get out 20 seconds later, which is not enough time to do anything. Unless you're like the Flash. Like, no. (laughs) Maybe Nick is just super fast. Maybe Nick is the Flash. What if Nick is... What if if Nick is actually Barry Allen messing with the the timeline again? (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And then they get out of the van, and their clothes are all mm-hmm. on. Like, they don't even look like they're putting anything back on. <laughs> it's incredibly bizarre. So that night, Kevin, who has gotten a job as a security man. At the lot a job, from the beginning of the movie. Right. And... All the other people that worked at this place have quit, quote-unquote. As in, they died. They totally they, died, they died, bro. They died. Yeah. So that... That night, yeah. like Kevin pouts over losing the rake fight. Yeah. Um, I'm inadequate in the bedroom. There's a weird distant shot of old guy and Kevin. It's really weird, some of the shots, because they're really far back for no particular reason, and the characters will be talking, and we're at this long, wide shot. So it's bad. Like, it's really weird. So Kevin explains his predicament to the old guy, and the old guy's like, ha-ha, that is certainly a relatable issue. Man. I, I've had my issues with women, let me tell ya. So, a teenager is sneaking onto the building, the teenage yeah. burglar, who shows up later. Old guy has the most serious look on his face as he drives to intercept He drives in his very slow go-kart. Yeah, he has a slow go-kart. It's like, it's like... It, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure, it's like a I'm golf fairly course certain, cart. like, in-universe, it's, like, designed to give studio tours, but, yeah. And it's so hilarious how long this shot goes on for, just looking at him in this tiny car. Um, and he's got the most serious expression on his face. Like, I'm yes. going to get you. I'm going to get you in my slow go-kart. <laughs> so the teenager pulls a knife on old guy. So Kevin gets the gun because Kevin got a gun before. And it's actually, in real life, it's like a $5 toy gun. <laughs> oh, and this is, oh, 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 and this is the part that gives me, like, the one other bit I laughed at. But not for anything in the movie. Because the point where he points the pistol upwards and I yeah. just wrote in my note, he aims his pistol at the sky. What? Because <laughs> I, was, I was reminded of Hamilton. So yes. I had a brief snippet of joy because I was reminded of an infinitely better thing. Um, um. He shoots it in the air and the teenager runs away. And this is one of the most amazing lines of dialogue in the whole movie is, I wish Amy were here to see what I did. So after this life and death situation he's still just insecure about his masculinity yeah. and wishes that his girlfriend saw him <laughs> shoot a gun in the air to scare away a burglar because then she'd respect him no because no no it's, it's the hamilton connection because by aiming his pistol at the sky he was uh ending the duel honorably it all connects. Kevin goes to look around as old guy yeah. calls the cops. And fueled by horny lust for masculine approval, <laughs> he opens the Hobgoblin's vault. Yeah, this is where the Hobgoblins finally... Cho- so he opens the vault, and we don't see them. But then, like, a couple minutes later, they just show up, and they're in the go-kart with no fanfare whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're just there, and they look like the cheapest plush dolls you can ever you would ever find. Like, I've seen Korean bootleg plush dolls of licensed characters that look better than the Hobgoblins. Yes, but I, I love that about them. I love how stupid they look, and I want I want them for toys. It's funny, but it's also pathetic. <laughs> I, I guess so. So the old guy finds out what's happening, and he hobbles down the hallway towards <laughs> Kevin at a jovial pace. So the hobgoblins escape, and they drive the go-kart, and they look amazing. Amazing bad, but still amazing. So the old guy recalls seeing a UFO that crash-landed. Yeah. Um, and, and this is where the, we get their, uh, their the backstory. backstory. So the hobgoblins got out, and he originally thought that they were good because they would give people yeah. fantasies. But then but he then realized, he... oh, wait, they kill people after they give them their fantasies. That's bad. So I got a question. Maybe nobody works at this studio anymore because the hobgoblins killed them all. Okay, but why is the studio still in operation then? That doesn't explain why the studio has security guards 
if nobody works there and isn't in operation. So the hobgoblins can create your wildest fantasy, but they kill you at the end, and they're also attracted to bright <laughs> lights, so it's not like gremlins. It's uh, totally different, you guys. It's totally different. And it is totally different, in that gremlins was great, and this is the worst thing ever. Yeah, um, so Kevin goes off to stop them, and meanwhile, the horny ones. Oh, and also, he has them to the stop ones. them. he has to stop them before daylight, because apparently they become inst- unstoppable in daylight, for reasons? Gremlins. That's <laughs> because Gremlins? <laughs> because Gremlins. Because um, Gremlins did it. That's fucking why. Um, so, meanwhile, the horny friends are dancing to cheesy synth music as the hobgoblins watch. <laughs> and Nick hasn't shown up yet. And uh, the hobgoblins maul horny girl when she was Yeah, and camp. then, yeah, we just see uh, um, Daphne just wrestling with the cheap plush toy. <laughs> yes, and it's so hilarious. It's she's, so like, hilariously it like it awful. Moves. Like she's trying to make it look like it's alive and moving, but she and has failing to move miserably. It to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It it legitimately looks like she's just playing with a toy with a very angry expression on her face. So we get uh, a payoff for the rake here. She wrestles with a stuffed animal, and then she picks up the rake and she hits it with the rake. And uh, the hobgoblins attack both girls, which is Daphne and Amy. Yeah. And then Nick shows up, uh, and yeah. he says, "Looks like a new dance. Looks pretty kinky." <laughs> I hate everything about this. I hate everything about this so much. Oh, God. So that, okay. So So they all escape the house, and Nick gets a grenade, as you do. He just has a grenade. He just has a grenade. And they turn off the music, and the hobgoblins leave. So he doesn't get to use the grenade yet, but the grenades show up later. It does, it Um, does come back. As I am about to cry, Chris, please explain what happens next. (laughs) So then we get, so so Kevin shows up and tells them about the hobgoblins. And he's like, whatever you do, don't fantasize about anything. So this is the point where Kyle ends up being too horny for his own good. And we get the first Kyle fantasy. Kyle is the nerdy friend. Which is, of course, a sexual one. Because this movie is uncomfortably horny and doesn't think anyone has any fantasies other than sex stuff. Well, and, and one so other th- thing. This is, where we, um, this is where we get the petting zoo. Yes. This oh is where God. we get the petting oh zoo. Oh, my fucking Chris, God. would you like to talk about oh the petting zoo? Oh, my fucking God. So he calls up the sex hotline again. And <laughs> at one point, one of the things she just says is, this isn't the children's petting zoo. And I'm like, what the fuck? What are you doing? What is it's this? It's not the children's petting zoo. What is going on? Why are you having? Why are you getting horny over a children's petting zoo? Are you all pedophiles or something? What Chris, is this Chris, shit? Chris, Stop! Three, three words. Chris, three words. Three words. Human petting zoo. No! No! <laughs> Bad! No! 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 You saying you disapprove? I greatly disapprove. I'm ashamed that you would even think of that as a hypothetical suggestion. Shame on you. It's what they're implying, okay? I mean, okay, well then shame on you, movie. Go to your room and think about what you have done, movie. So anyways, the hobgoblins (laughs) decide to manifest Fantasia, who is the person on the uh, hotline, outside of their door, and nerdy friend... (laughs) And apparently Kyle just doesn't see the damn hobgoblin. Because they get in the car, right? So fa- yeah. so Kyle and Fantasia are in the front seat. And the hobgoblin is just in the back. And somehow Kyle yes. just does not notice this in any way. <laughs> Kyle's, Kyle's a dumbass. So <laughs> You say Kyle's a dumbass, 
but it, he's but he's a stereotypical nerd, and those are, and those guys are supposed to be smart, so he should notice this. But Chris, you're forgetting an amazing line of dialogue that happens before, which is when he goes out and talks to Fantasia, he's like, do you kiss on the first date? And she's like, I go all the way, way on the, the first, first date. date. Jesus and fucking then, Christ. I hate how horny this movie is. Get a fucking room, movie. I don't need to hear about this shit. Like, And then he's like, my kind of woman. Fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Kyle. You belong so, in a prison. <laughs> so they flirt some more, and Fantasia uh, says something, and then she's, and then he's like, "Fantasia, you're my ideal woman. Woman, will you marry me?" So they're going to Reputation Road, and they go up, and there's just a sign that has painted the words "Reputation Road" on it. And then they go a little bit further, and there's another sign that says "All the Way." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> And it's near a cliff. Because yeah. Of course, it's near a cliff. It's near. A, um, it's near a cliff. And so, and and then we get the oh so amazing, very sarcastic air quotes there. Line of dialogue. Isn't that a lovely view? Oh, it sure is. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Kyle. I hate. I think Kyle is like all of these characters are bad. Like, and I hate all of them to a certain degree. But Kyle is by far the worst one. I hate him. So much, and I'm severely disappointed <laughs> that he didn't die. Um, <laughs> Fuck <so> you, Kyle. <gasps> I like to point out this is a slasher movie, maybe a little bit of a slasher movie. It's where about no teenagers, one, and it's a horror movie where none of the main where cast none of the dies. main characters dies, even the one who very clearly deserves it, which is Kyle. They should have killed Kyle. Kyle should have been. Kyle should have been the casualty. So I wouldn't have to deal with him anyway. So Kevin is going <laughs> after Kyle, and he says, "Don't." So they're going. So they're driving up, and Fantasia says, "You have to park near the edge to go all the way." Yeah. So there's another line of dialogue where he says, "I didn't know there was a road through the children's playground." And oh then she's my! Like, there fuck. is it. <laughs> Wait. So did she just so, wreck a children's playground? Yes. Jesus fucking Christ! That's petty shit. And I know. And also, Kyle should go to prison for destruction of property. So she tries to push it off a cliff, and he sees her doing this, but wants to get laid so much, he gets back inside the car. I don't know what he thinks will happen. He, he, he's thinking with, with the penis. If you had... Um, <laughs> well, maybe if he had flown between what's between his ears instead of what's between his legs, they wouldn't be in this situation. Exactly. So Kevin <laughs> saves Nerdy Friend by hitting the hobgoblin with a stick. And when you hit a hobgoblin, that makes the fantasy disappear. Okay. With a very stock sound effect. Yes. Yeah, so the car falls off a cliff after Kyle gets out and explodes, and there goes all the Why, budget. Damn it, Kevin! Why did you save Kyle? Just let him die. <laughs> he doesn't deserve to live. <laughs> so they go back to the house with that has inexplicably no adults, and the friends are yeah. gone. What oh, happens and, next, Chris? Okay, so then we get the fight in the house with the hobgoblin, where Kevin has the stick, and they have the hobgoblin pinned down. And like one, and the other guy is like, you know, hit him. I'm trying. I'm trying. And Kevin is very clearly missing on purpose. Yeah, and like he has a tire like... iron, and this thing is right in front of him, <laughs> and he can't hit it. So then Kevin just takes it from Kyle. Like stormtroopers have better aim than this man does. Oh yeah. So Kevin takes the thing from Kyle and immediately hits it. So more evidence that Kyle is just absolutely yeah. terrible. And deserves so, death. Yeah. Yes. So Horny Girl and Nick yeah. have sex. Because of course Again. they did. 
again. And Amy went to a club called Club Scum. And this is very confusing because apparently it was her fantasy to go to Club Scum. Yeah, because apparently her fantasy is to be a sleazy stripper at a sex club. Um, which... But that doesn't even make sense because later in the movie, Road Rash, the, the, the bar guy... He gets he gets hit, and then she comes out of a fantasy of her being sleazy. So it was Road Rash's fantasy. Or was it... Like, so what made her go there to begin with? I, I don't... Okay, but the idea of it being her fantasy just strikes me as very sexist. Like, yes. We'll get into the dialogue in the club. Oh, God. This fucking sex club nonsense uh so they go there and they're like at a place like this you have to look like you fit in so they all start dancing like dorks yeah. like in the most stupid way possible. i'd like to point out that these are the whitest people on the face of the planet like yes. so the balancer doesn't let them in but offers them a hooker with marge simpson hairs <laughs> it's and, not um, blue but it is it is up like that <laughs> so kevin's like read my lips let us in. I'm looking for a girl. <laughs> so they get in because uh, Daphne, who's the horny girl, apparently knows the bouncer Road Rash, and she's apparently a regular here. <laughs> she's how old is she? Oh. Um, twenty? <laughs> question? Mark? I thought they were supposed to be teenagers. Is uh, the question. This is some serious. This is raising some serious red flags here. So they mentioned donkey mud wrestling. I okay, don't want to know yeah, what that is. Seriously, what the fuck was up with that? Um, so there's a bizarrely foppish bartender. Oh yeah, the club MC who is yeah. bizarrely enough played by Darren Norris, aka the voice of Cosmo and Timmy's dad from the Fairly Odd Parents. What? Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Because he gives an absolute zero effort performance. And in he this was. Movie. He's also. Um. He's also J. Jonah Jameson. In the spectacular Spider-Man. So, bad goth rock starts playing for three minutes. Oh, yeah. The, the Nothing weird... happens for three minutes of this movie because we have to hear this song. Okay, apparently Hobgoblins was his, uh, was his first movie. Okay, that makes and sense. And then he moved Chris, to television afterwards. Chris, what do you think of the goth rock scene? Um, what the fuck? Why is this here? Why is this in this movie? I don't understand. What is the point? What does it so add? I, I have a theory. I have a theory. You <laughs> want to hear my theory? Okay, what is your theory? My theory is that they wanted to book a band, but the band's stipulation was they had to play the whole song unedited for them to be included. Why did they want to book a band? Why uh, they wanted to book a band because it's a bar. Why did they need it to be in a be in a weird sex club? Why couldn't uh, you be, just because? Why couldn't you have just gone like. to? Why didn't you, could you couldn't you have just gone to like a pub? Or you like all these kids, they go to these bars and nobody knows what the fuck happens there. <laughs> They they like they, they like they like they like going to donkey donkey mud wrestling, uh, emceed mud wrestling. Um, em, they like emceed by Timmy's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he had used his Timmy's dad voice. <laughs> no, stop it. Okay, so Amy's dream is to become a burlesque dancer, or maybe this is okay. So I have another theory. If this is Road Rash's fantasy, perhaps the way that the fantasies work is that they can transcend space. So he was thinking, I want a girl who looks like this, and it happened to be Amy. So then she walked. Okay, to but Club Scum. okay. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about that. The way the fantasies are established earlier in the movie is that they manifest something out of out of thin air. They, right. It's not because when Fantasia shows up, it's not the quote unquote real Fantasia. It's a hallucination. Right. Of it's Fantasia. not like sorority babes in the slime bowl bowl arrives, <laughs> where it manifests physical 
fantasies. But this, but the Amy we see here is the real Amy. So, right. like, that would mean it would have to be her fantasy. Or at the very least, some sort of weird shared fantasy thing. It's and I don't know like which one's worse. It's almost like think it through in the screenplay. Yeah, it's almost like this movie is terribly written. <laughs> <laughs> so she blows a kiss to Road Rash. She tells them all yeah. her really explicit weird fantasies to the bar patrons. Oh my fucking god. What do you think of that, Chris? It's horribly sexist and I hate it. And this is, oh, and this is also the part where she decides to like go with the, the biker and she's like getting on his like motorcycle and shit. And she's like... Yeah. Driving a motorcycle is like sitting on the world's largest vibrator. And I hate everything about this. Go to hell, movie. Fuck you. That was bleeped in my version, so I didn't know what she said. Oh, you saw the censored version? I saw the censored version. Oh, I saw it uncensored. Oh, boy. Kevin tries to stop her twice. Yeah. But gets reprimanded by Road Rash. Um, so she goes to the back with Road Rash and Kevin intervenes. Uh, one of Nick's army guys shows up and I think this oh, is yeah. Nick's fantasy. Okay, right? so we get the one, like the one non-sexual fantasy in here where Nick and just, it's violent. where Nick just turns into Rambo and it's like the one part of the movie I genuinely kind of laughed at because it's just so what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, so the Nick's army guy shows up and gives him a gun and then the hobgoblins invade the bar, and he just starts throwing grenades everywhere. And just for shooting no everywhere because he's and he is literally just Rambo because he has like the the bandolier and the headband. Right, but you're forgetting that shooting. we also get to see him put on all these weapons for like a whole. Yeah, minute. he has a suit up montage, and it's like honestly, like this weird ass Rambo ripoff is honestly the best part of the movie. <laughs> so Marge Simpson flirts with the dapper waiter. Uh, I think we yeah. need to mention this. And apparently this was his fantasy because I once guess. because once uh the fantasy is broken, she attacks her she she attacks him with a with a beer yeah. bottle. So Nick throws grenades and takes out a submachine gun. And his fantasy is apparently <laughs> murder. Which I think yeah. is a payoff to, to earlier in the movie, remember, when he joked about killing someone is really something that he wants to do. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's payoff. They do that. It's set up and payoff, I guess. Okay, so then the hobgoblins have no facial reaction to being killed whatsoever. His superior officer wants him attacking random civilians. And he says, and he goes up to Amy, or is it Amy or Daphne? He says, have you considered joining the USO, entertaining all the troops? I think it's Daphne, yeah. But, like, it's one of them anyway. And it's like, what oh, the what God, the fuck? it's so gross. I hate it. What the it. fuck is with this movie? I don't know. And then Nick just gets randomly set on fire. <laughs> no, no. He's so, just so on fire. That's not what happened. Nick, so a grenade falls, and Nick jumps on it, and apparently grenades cause giant flame balls yeah. in this universe. And this Nick is on fire, and he somehow lives through this. And all his friends see this, and they're all not phased by it whatsoever. Yeah. So... And then he drops the fucking grenade down that one guy's shirt. Yeah, and then it explodes like three <laughs> feet away from him. And he's somehow not dead. Yeah, so they get in the truck and they drive away, but there's hobgoblins in the back, which is kind of confusing because there's only four hobgoblins. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that some of them have died so far. Yeah, so then the old man finally comes back after, like, disappearing for most right. of the movie. So he's like, you gotta get back to your post because my insurance, the insurance. My insurance. And then, and then the old guy just quits. So they get the hobgoblins all into the building. There's a nunchuck battle that just happens. 
Yes, and I think the nunchuck battle is, again, payoff of the rake fight. Because uh-huh. the burglar from before shows up with nunchucks yeah. and challenges Kevin to a duel. Now, unbeknownst to Kevin, yeah. this is actually a fantasy. So Kevin oh, accepts yeah. this because he wants to impress Amy. And none of the characters have learned anything. This is so funny to me, is that Kevin's gone through this entire movie. They set him up with this incredibly stupid fight, and you'd think by the end Uh. he'd learn that fighting like that is stupid, but he doesn't. (laughs) Instead, he's exactly where he was in the beginning of the movie, trying to impress his girlfriend. Which means that this movie unironically says, hey, men who use toxic masculinity to try and impress their girlfriends, that's okay. Uh, And that's a good thing. Fuck you, movie. Fuck you. <laughs> so then he wins the nunchuck battle. Right, the burglar tries to shoot Nick, but the old guy shoots the hobgoblin, revealing the burglar to be a figment of his fantasy. Kevin and Amy kiss. The worst romance ever. Um, and this is apparently the culmination of their arc. That's the arc is putting it generously. So the old guy and Nick go back into the building and destroy the remaining hobgoblins who fled the vault. And then and then the old guy just fucking blows up blows the building. Up the building. Like, like, he just takes a button out of nowhere and he just blows it up. Like, why didn't he do that earlier in the movie? He had a self-destruct switch. He did. Why didn't he just quit his job earlier and blow up the building then? I don't know. Maybe he wanted the money? <laughs> he just had C4 just randomly. He's like, oh, you know how, where I used to work? Munitions. Explodes oh, it. And it's like maybe, this amazing moment. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was setting it up while the rest of the movie was happening. Maybe. So, like... <laughs> So, but then he would have to predict that the hobgoblins would go back to the vault, which, why would they do that? Maybe he figured, like, last, maybe it was, maybe this was a plan he had, but he hadn't set it up yet. He's like, all right, last-ditch effort, self-destruct mode. So Kyle gives Daphne flowers, because Kyle's like, oh, Nick's dead, time for me to move in. But then Nick comes back with a broken arm after landing on a grenade that went off underneath him, and being on fire, and apparently he's fine. Now, if this were a movie like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which does a similar thing, they would play this off as like a joke. But, but they don't, though. They, they play don't. it 100% straight. Now, Chris, why don't you explain how this movie ends? So the movie ends with, so the hobgoblins are dead, and the boss calls him up again, and he's like, why did you do this? We have to pay all these insurance premiums and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, if you remember, I was fired. There was no one on the post at the time. Right. Yeah. You're forgetting that Daphne and Nick are boinking in the van during this Oh, yeah. So they boink in the van, and and then the movie seems like it mercifully ends. And then it has the gall to have credit scenes. But you're forgetting about the the final, you're forgetting about the final scene of the movie. The final thing that happens is the nerdy friend asks to use the phone. Because Kyle has also learned nothing, and he, he wants to use it for phone sex. This dumbass phone sex thing. And then the movie seems like it mercifully finally going to end but then it's like nope here's a bunch of credit scenes of just montages of different things that happened in the movie with no dial with no audio dialogue just like music playing over it the and then they we cut back to fantasia it's like remember when the next time your friend asks you to rent a movie (laughs) that's only (laughs) pg Oh make sure it's rated X. Make sure you make it rated X. And then the movie finally... Jesus, how long is this fucking movie? It feels like an eternity. It's only 90 minutes. Yeah, it's only 90 minutes, but it feels like an eternity. And that's 90 minutes I will never get back. So, Chris, what did you think of the amazing classic that was Hobgoblins? All I know is pain. So I found Hobgoblins hilarious, surprising, and absolutely awful. 
It's one of the worst films I've seen. It might be in the top 20, but not in the top, like, 10. Um, I've seen movies worse than this. It barely misses, like, the top Mm. 10 for me. It does at least have the one kind of funny Rambo scene. And it also, unlike a lot of other, like, really terrible movies, seems to at least understand what a movie is. Yeah, it also, like, it has a bit of self-awareness to it. Yeah, like, it knows that it's shit. So anyway, let's get on to our second film. Moving on to a much, much better movie. The Crippled Masters. So, Chris, why don't you explain uh, what your background with this movie is? Because mine is actually extensive. My background uh, of this movie is that I had never heard of it before we did this podcast. Yeah, Um, so I found this (laughs) at a TLA video probably back at, like, 2012 or 2011, back when it, before it closed down. And I knew of it from a DVD, which was on YouTube that I used to watch a lot, which was called The Top 50 Worst Movies Ever Made. Um, and that's also how I found a lot of other movies like The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. I always thought of it as a bad movie. So I would have my friends over and we'd watch bad movies. And The Crippled Masters was one of the movies we'd watch a lot, you know. But rewatching it, I've actually discovered that I think it's actually kind of decent. Like, there's a lot yeah, wrong with it. It's but actually, I kind of like it. It's pretty good overall and i and i think the like its place in a 50 worst movies list is undeserved say like yeah. it's got its problems but like overall it's a pretty it's a pretty solid you know martial arts movie and it opens with yeah. a guy getting his arms cut off and like that happens no, in no, the first for two me, minutes it opens with the the credits and the credits have a contortionist over the opening titles right oh i don't remember i i, I think because i think we yeah, technically we... watched two different versions of the opening credits yeah, we watched two different versions, because mine said The Crippled Master, with no S, which is an incorrect title. So in my version, it cuts to a, the one-armed guy uh, with and the guy with unusable legs, and they're all, like, fighting in this opening sequence. And then we cut to the movie, and it starts with the guy immediately getting his arms amputated. Yeah, that happens in the first two minutes. <laughs> it happens, it's the first shot. Yeah, it's the first it? shot of the, uh, yeah, it's like, or at least like close to the first shot of the movie. So the the armless guy is Lee Ho. And uh, I'd like to point out that the disabled people in this movie are actually disabled, and yeah. they're actually martial arts experts. And they use um, uh, visual effects uh, wizardry to make it look like the disabled man had two arms before they were cut off. And the same thing with the guy who has no legs later. Right. I refer to them throughout my notes as armless man and legless man. I know they have actual names. So the, the armless man is Lee Ho, and Lee the man Ho. without legs is uh, Tang, I believe. Tang. I also like yeah. to point out that although this movie is good, um, so we both watched the English dub of this movie, and the lip syncing for the uh, English dub is really bad. <laughs> Not just the lip syncing, everything about the English dub is terrible. No, I think the dub itself, like, okay, it's hokey as fuck, but like... The day will come when you get your desserts! You're worse than a dog! <laughs> okay, but it's at least, like, funny, and there's, like, some, le- like, legit good acting in it. The... I, I have to disagree, this dub is terrible. <laughs> no, I, I don't mind it, I don't mind it. Um... Uh, I'd also like to point out that the man who plays uh, Lee Ho, his condition was caused by exposure to thalidomide when he when his mother was uh, pregnant. Oh dear. Um, so yeah, that causes um, its own condition. I forget what it's called, but it's where your limbs mm. underdevelop. Um, oh, which is why he has the little. Uh, that's why little he nubs. has the nub, and the nub actually works. It's like functional as a, as like a, a joint. So they toss him outside. Yeah, they toss him outside. The evil master, I'll just call him the master because I can't pronounce his name. I'm sorry. The, uh, the, like the this... Lee, Lee, I have it later in my notes. The, the Lee, Lee, Shung, Quinn, Quinn, Just call him the master. The master. Like Doctor Who. 
So he has like the scar on his face that looks like grayscale from A Song of Ice and Fire or Game of Thrones. And the man hesitates to drink with the evil master because he's like, oh, I don't know if this is poison. This oh, man's yeah, the, like, the tea This man is Tang. They drink and the evil man, for the first time of many times in this movie, laughed. Oh, yeah. Ling, Ling, Je, Ling Jen Kun. Just call him the master. Ling Jen Kun. I'm so sorry to all our Chinese viewers. <laughs> And listeners. What happens next, Chris? So after the tea ceremony, Lee Ho, the armless man, um, he's out in the... Sh- you forget that he tumbles down the stairs Yeah, first. he tumbles down the stairs, and he's out in the market, and all the, the vendors are like, Beggar, go away! I'd also like to point out that um, apparently getting your arms cut off at the shoulder doesn't lead to massive blood loss and death. Yeah, apparently. I mean, yeah, I didn't know that until this movie, but... I, I mean, theoretically, you could survive, but... So like, uh, they go into this, he goes into this restaurant and he's taunted by this ableist oh, diner yeah. owner and the patrons leave because and they know, tease him with chicken. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the chicken taunting scene, <laughs> chicken scene. the legendary chicken scene. I just so, feel so Chris, bad for this guy. So the, the, all the people in the store, including the owner, just hold up this like big piece of chicken. They're like, you want some chicken? You want some chicken? And they won't <laughs> let him, they won't let him have the, the damn chicken. It's, like it's this, not even seasoned. This, this poor fucker. <laughs> like, he's hungry. He just lost both of his damn arms. He just wants some goddamn chicken. And these ableist shitheads will de- fr- continually deny him. Uh, and this is set up to when they come back to the restaurant later, of course. Yes. So Lee, uh, Lee Ho decides to bite the restaurant owner's leg to get back yeah. in. And then the big fat bouncer man comes out and bitch slaps Lee Ho seven times. Yes. They beat him up. And uh, then they throw him outside. Uh, and he is found by uh, this kindly old man, yeah. Chin, who is, uh, he, he sells coffins. So, Chris, what do you think of Chin, the kindly old coffin salesman? When I see gold, I become very happy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, my coffin money. So, Chin is kind of like a Taoist. Like, he doesn't pull much stock in material things or money. Yeah. So, Chin offers him redemption and a, and a drink. <laughs> I also like how he had uh, Lee Ho sleeping in the coffin. Yes. He didn't have an extra bed. Yes, he did. I, that's very funny. So the thugs show up, and they're like a gang that is the city gang that is owned by the master. And he says... So they beat up Lee Ho. And Chin. And Chin. Because Chin tries to intervene. And there's the greatest line ever spoken in any movie. If you kill me, who is going to provide you with coffins? <laughs> Which is just amazing. Chin is badly wounded and Lee Ho runs away and drinks from the river. But he gets swept up in the current. Now what happens next, Chris? Okay, so then he ends up in the woods and there's some ducks there. Um, yes. And then there's, the a, there's a doggo. And there, there are doggos. There are doggos. But you're forgetting the part that he, uh, he eats some of the chicken coop. Oh, yes, that's true. So, so that... there's a triple zoom on, on the food yeah. uh, because it means so much to him. So he goes over and he eats from the pig trough. Yes. Um, and the farmer finds Ho eating there and he's like, are you a ghost? And he's like, no. <laughs> no. Fuck? Why would I be a ghost? So then the farmer offers him a job and there's a montage of him working. I really like that scene. I think it's one of the best scenes because he like is really useful. And he's bringing around the pails of water and stuff like that. And he's showing the kids how to play badminton with your foot. So he plays hacky sack. And then it's a hard cut to the master pouring acid on Tang's legs. And then he says, those against me like you die. (laughs) Oh, yes, that Those against me like you die. (laughs) (laughs) And then they disable him because he knew too much. We don't know what he knew too much about, but he knew too much. So we're introduced to Legless Man. (laughs) Yes, Tang. Tang. Uh, The master shows off his kung fu skills from a shop owner. 
and uh, they have a little fight, the shop owner who won't pay him money, and the master ends up killing him uh, by, like, falling back on his back and breaking his back, because apparently he has, like, metal on his <laughs> back. It's never really explained, but there's all these metallic sound effects whenever anybody hits the master's back, right? Yes, that, that does happen. It's one of the many weird things about this movie. Yeah. So Tang rolls down the hill and is spotted by Lee Ho. And then we have a pentuple zoom. Five different zooms. Uh, so many row. zooms. Lee Ho remembers Tang yeah. and attacks him, of course. And Tang begs for mercy. And it's like, I just carried out orders. Yeah. So they discover the monk in the basket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So then... Chris, why don't you tell me what you think about the monk in the basket? The monk in the basket. Um, he's very good. I, I like him. He's a contortionist. He's a contortionist, yes. And he yeah. and he tells Lee Ho and Tang, it's like, you know, together you make up one whole. You should team up to fight the, the evil Ling Jeng Kun. Just say the master. Ling Jeng Kun. I will, I will pronounce it right. And they're like, yeah, we are going to do that. Team up time, baby. And this is where it basically turns into a revenge fantasy for the disabled. Yeah. I, I dig well, it. I, I, I wouldn't go that far because one of my main issues with the movie is that I feel like it is kind of exploitative. It's both yes and no. Like, in the, it's exploitative in the sense that almost everything from this time period that featured a minority in a prominent role was exploitative to a degree. I mean, I guess I get what you're saying, but, like, the way it's framed doesn't come across as much to me like a Kill Bill revenge thing as much as it does, like, maybe... Have you ever heard of the movie Freaks? No. So Freaks was a movie back in, I think, the 30s or 40s, and it was mostly a plotless movie that showed a bunch of freak show and sideshow performers. Oh. And the reaction to it was it getting banned everywhere because everybody was ableist and assholes. Oh. Um, and that's kind of the vibe I get off a little bit from this movie. It's like, well, look at these disabled people doing things. And well, I don't know, that feels I, a little problematic Okay, to me. like, yes, but it's also, you could argue that it's kind of, if unintentional, it is somewhat empowering. I mean, granted, I'm not disabled, or not physically disabled anyway. Right. So, you know, I can't speak for them. But, you know, I think it's kind of cool to see, like, you know, disabled people kicking ass. You know, that's some, that's some cool representation right there. So, my question is, how long was the monk in the basket? I like to think he was waiting for them. Like, <laughs> he, like he, he woke up that day and was like, alright, so I know some, like, disabled, uh, cool martial arts dudes are going to show up here. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hide out in this basket. I'm going to surprise them. And I'm going to convince him <laughs> to team up, and it's going to be awesome. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So the training montage is great. Um, so yeah. they have a scene where they hit some eggs. Uh, so the guy who only has feet, he throws eggs with his feet and yeah. hits them. Uh, the legless man, Tang, is trying to <laughs> uh, balance on a bunch of jars, uh, like with sticks, like bamboo sticks. I really, that like shows the, up later. I really like the music in this section, too. Like all yeah, the, the music the is very fun. It's a, it's a good score overall, I yeah. would say. So the two go back to the restaurant where Lee Ho was humiliated before, and this is probably my favorite scene. He eats the chicken in the most mocking way humanly possible. Yes, it's very um, good. Yeah. So he offers to have Lee Ho kick him in the butt, the restaurant <laughs> owner, for $5, and this yes. is a bizarre scene. And, so and the kicks... restaurant owner is just like, yes, I like money. <laughs> so he kicks him harder the second time, <laughs> of course. Lee Ho beats up the restaurant owner, and the heavy guy comes in from earlier, and the two beat up the heavy guy. And then they come across a third fighter who helps him. This is the diner guy. And the diner guy yeah. shows up later because he uh, is employed by the master. You know? Right. He's yeah. a, an abled kung fu master. Yeah. 
So the master plans to steal jewelry that was stolen, and this feels like a subplot that was kind of overly convoluted. It, it, it's a subplot that kind of becomes the main plot, weirdly. Yeah, because they want to, because the master wants to steal the eight jade horses. Right, because the eight yeah. jade horses were stolen by a different gang, and the eight jade horses are a series mm. of things which, if emulated, would make you into a kung fu master. Yes. So the Master's Gang intercepts the robbers and beats them up. Then the Master's Gang is ambushed by the crippled Masters and they fight. And then uh, and then <laughs> they leave. And uh, Pow is a great lion. And he says, and they are pretty good at Kung Fu. <laughs> when talking to the Master yeah, about that. They are pretty good at Kung Fu. Yeah, so he informs, uh, yeah, so Po informs Ling Zheng Kun of, of the crippled Masters. And that... Yeah, and the, the guy from the diner ambushes Mr. Pow and beats up his minions. And Mr. Powell suggests using Diner Man to attack the Crippled Masters. There's a great line here and says, You are normally very stupid, but this time you have devised a very good plan. Yes! So Mr. Powell offers Diner Man the job. Diner Man meets with the Master, and the Master tests him by bringing out his Kung Fu lackeys. Yeah, we get a... they have a fight. Yeah, we get another really good fight scene. The fight scenes in this movie are just generally, like, really, really solid stuff. I think they're okay. They're not, like, a shot. I mean, they're not, like, the best like martial arts fights in the world but overall mm-hmm. they are really good and i really like the sound effects so they're very good the sound effects in this movie oh, the sound I effects disagree. are extremely repetitive uh, okay yeah it is the same sound effect but unlike in hobgoblins where it just got fucking annoying the fact that it it was i just found it really funny and i liked the crunch to them like i, th- I enjoyed I, that the crunch is kind of gross that that sound makes me like Ugh. no I, I i i disagree i actually like that <laughs> <laughs> you like how crunchy the movie is. Um, so they enter into the headquarters because the monks scoped it out, and they successfully steal the H aid horses. So Diner Man and the Crippled Masters fight, and we have a great scene where the Tang is uh, being held, and he does these helicopter legs. Oh yeah, the cartwheel. In the air. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is obviously like a day for night shot. Like, it's very obviously yeah. not happening in the night, but they, like, turn down the brightness to make it look like it, it's night. So the H-Aid horses depict special kung fu techniques. We mentioned this a little bit earlier, but apparently if you get all eight, then your kung fu is unbeatable. To the I light. wanna be the, the very best. best. The like best no one ever was. was. I, I screwed up ba, the lyrics. Ba, ba, <laughs> Um, so Diner Man, uh, leaves and, uh, encourages them to fight the master because he's disloyal to the master, you know? Right. The master comes by and ambushes Diner Man. Give me back the eight jade horses! And he has this great weird thing that he does where he does this back lunge where he, like, lunges with his back. And the back is apparently metal, right? So right. that's how he kills people is with his back, which is yes. weird. So Diner Man is going to be killed and captured, and the Cripple Masters debate whether or not to save him. So they go there, and they have a fight, and they spring uh, Diner Man. Yeah. And the monk in the basket is again in the basket, which is great. <laughs> He's back in the basket. He's back in the basket. Um, this headquarters also has the worst security, I'd like to say, because they just sneak in and out of this complex all the time. There's a great line. I think it's by the Master. Where he's like, and now you'll sleep in a coffin. Yeah. And then w- right before they like break in for the final, like the final battle, uh, the monk in the basket is like, with great willpower, you can beat Ling Zheng Kun. And my question is, what are they, Green Lanterns? <laughs> yes. Yes, they are Green Lanterns. So apparently the H-Aid horses are just these really cute blue figurines <laughs> yes. of horses. 
Um, the three train and work to combine, and then Master approaches the monk and demands the eight jade horses. Yeah. And there's a great line where he says, "Why don't the bad guys die first? Oh yes, I love it. I love that. I love that line. Yeah, no, that's a very good question. Why don't the bad guys die first in this world? So then uh, there's another great line, which is, "Yeah, you don't seem to like living very much." <laughs> that that line is great. Yes. Uh, the master and diner guy fight, and the crippled masters were hiding inside the coffin. So the coffin comes back. Actually, this movie is a lot more clever than I originally thought it was. Yeah. Um, so whiny guy who is pow, I think, begs diner guy, and diner guy kills him, and then Tang walks on the rods, uh, <laughs> which is paid off, and then Lee Ho throws bamboo at the master, and they yeah. merge. And there's this hilarious sound effect when they merge. It sounds like it's like Voltron or yeah, something. Yeah, they did the fusion dance. <laughs> so they kill the master, and he falls forward towards the camera and it ends on a blurry freeze frame i also like the line of that you should die a thousand times <laughs> <laughs> and then it's the end the end so what did you think of the crippled masters chris you know i liked it i liked it overall it's got some problems like the you know the pacing is weirdly off in some spots you know the dub is both hokey as fuck and has really bad lip syncing but like yes and, but, you know, overall, some solid fight scenes, you know, not the best, but still, you know, fundamentally pretty damn good. And, you know, and even if it is kind of exploitative, you know, there's some pretty cool disabled representation there, you know, seeing disabled people kick ass, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I'd say it is better yeah. to have actual disabled people play these parts than to do what other movies did, which is just have abled people playing disabled people. Yeah, they, they don't, don't do that. So, Chris, what do you think? Hobgoblins or the Crippled Masters? Why would you even ask that question? That's not even a question. It's the cri- the Crippled Masters. Fucking yeah. easily. I'm- yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a decent martial arts film. Um, I'd say that the production quality is terrible, but besides that... I mean, that, it's better production quality than Hobgoblins. I mean, yeah, but it's so grainy and the dub is terrible. And <laughs> But it's fun. At least the dub is it's fun. funny, though. It's decent. It's fun. It's a good time if you want to watch it and have a beer with some friends. I think it's a good watch for, like, one time. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think it is worth a... I think it's not perfect, but I definitely... So we landed on number 85. Number 85. Five. What is that movie? It is Battlefield Earth. Oh... Oh Chris, dear. do you veto? Veto. Let's see if we can get something better. All right, we'll do another one. And we got 82. That's the Blair Witch Project. Oh, okay. Sounds it, like you want to do the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, right? I, I do the yeah. Blair Witch Project over Battlefield Earth. All right. Yeah. Well, then, that will be our first pick. Now let's roll it again. We got number yeah. 66. Number 66, that is Child's Play. Oh, I like child. Oh, child's play. Yeah. Um. Normally, I would say veto just to get like another option. But now that I know Hobgoblins Two is on the board, I want to be more careful about that. You could so, also get stuck with some other sequels. Yeah. Like Alien Three. Or Alien. Yeah. Or Alien Three. But I'm most worried about Hobgoblins Two. Let's go with Child's Play. Yeah. All right. So in two weeks. Our next Rocket Ship Roulette episode will be a special horror-themed episode now. Yeah. It's going to be The Blair Witch Project and Child's Play. So that'll be one great 80s uh, horror classic and one from the 90s. Yeah, that should be a, mm-hmm. that should be a good time. I mean, yeah. uh, of course, that will be two weeks from now. Next week, you all can look forward to a very uh, a double bill of musical magnificence 
because we are covering Steven Universe the movie. We're back on the Steven Universe retrospective. I'm very excited. And we're also going to be talking about Hamilton via the, the new movie on Disney Plus that just came out that everybody's been watching and talking about because it's so great. And we're going to be talking about it as well. I'm very excited. Um, Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton. Anyway, so this has been The Hipster. Yeah. That's me. And The Nerd. That's you. We do this every Thursday. And we do mean that because we are finally back on a relatively consistent schedule. Um, yes. And uh, uh, trans rights. Yes, trans rights are human rights. Uh, we do this every Thursday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, basically wherever you get your podcasts. I am, once again, I am Chris Hanna. You can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd. And where can they find you, Brian? Well, they can find me inside the doll of your <laughs> local toy factory that's oh been implanted there from voodoo <laughs> magic of Brad Durf. But really, I thought, I th- you can find me on Twitter. Um, at Brian Brecker, and you can also find me at my letterbox, which is bbreck2. I'm fairly certain that it's Brad Dorf, um, but... Brad Dorf? Brad Dorf? We'll figure it out by the time we get to that episode. But anyways, thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next time. For 30 years, a sinister secret lay hidden behind these walls. I don't want to have to remind you a second time. Just stay clear of this area. But there is something mysterious about this place that draws him closer to the truth. Going down that hallway. I'm going in for a closer look. Stop whatever you're doing! Don't go near the vault! And tonight, that secret is going to come out. The Hobgoblins are back. We're too late. And they're looking to party. Oh, I recognize it anywhere. Stop breathing all over me. You must be happy to see him. No one is safe from these cagey critters. These creatures have a power. They can tap into your brain and sense the things that you really want to do. What's wrong with that? They also try to kill you. But first, they will grant your heart's desire. Do you kiss on the first date? I go all the way on the first date. My kind of woman. Then they will uncover your most secret fantasies. Amy would never come to a place like this. Let's go, Miss Proud present Miss Amy Simmons. Oh my God. And when your wildest dream is about to come true. Get off the stage. These gruesome gremlins turn it into a nightmare. What's going on here? Just a problem involving some small predators, sir. We need to stage a diversion. And I have just what you need. Because getting everything you want can be hazardous to your health. War isn't pretty. Hobgoblins, they'll make you party. In a rowdy crowd tonight. Till you drop dead. The strength of their missing limbs is transferred to their bodies to make them totally invincible. They become the crippled masters. The story of two young men who are cut off in their prime. 
They seek revenge. But they're handicapped by their limited knowledge of Kung Fu. Never by their will. The crippled masters. Life wasn't easy, but they never expected it to be. And then there are the so-called normal people. It is hell in the crippled heaven. The crippled masters. They are Frank Shum and Jack Kong, featuring also the yoga grandmaster Ho. You'll see it all in The Crippled Masters, coming soon to this theater.